Our first scripture today comes from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 10. For I handed on to you, as of first importance, what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 siblings at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and God's grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Well, the Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, uh, left out a couple of names. He shouldn't have done it, but he did. It happens. The Apostle Paul was one of the, uh, the best skeptics. He was well, the chief of Pharisees. He did all the right things. He practiced all the right laws. He did all the right rituals. And he tried to stamp out the Jesus way because it was blasphemy. It was going the wrong direction. And so, as he states here, he persecuted the church until he had an experience with the risen Christ. And you can read about that in Acts uh, as he was traveling on the road to Damascus to uh, persecute the church. Uh, he saw a vision of the risen Christ. Wow. Well, the two he left out also saw the risen Christ, and that's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And, you know, why did Matthew mention them? Because no one believed a woman. Their testimony was invalid unless confirmed by a man. Sorry, gals. But I want you to know it was women who first saw the empty tomb. I'd like to invite you to stand as I read from Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes dazzling white. For fear of him, the, the soldiers trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And then go to Galilee where you will see him there. 
Lo, I have told you the truth. Then the women quickly departed <laughs> with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell the other disciples. But as they were leaving, he greeted them, saying, Hail! Also means rejoice. It also means greetings. And when they recognized the risen Christ, they fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Yep, that's what happened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I was hunting for Easter eggs the other day, and I came across this one when I opened it up. We've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> They'll get you one way or another. But I thought, hey, why not? So I decided this is a message that should go in those eggs. We've been... comes. Uh, uh, I've been trying to reach you about some good news. God, are you listening? There's good news to be had on a day like today that will be out of this world and show you that resurrection continues to happen. And if I can make a third egg, I might insert this. Easter is a journey of discovery and good news because this is it is the event on which our faith rests. This is the event that changed the history of the world. This is the event that divided the calendar between B.C. and A.D. This is the event that makes Jesus Christ irresistible. This is the event that seals the new covenant that he unleashed upon the world, which made the old covenant obsolete. The impossibility of uh, 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 following those 613 laws and all of the rules and regulations to help you follow this ability. Even the Apostle Paul would state that, that until he came to realize the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was trying to prove himself to God by following all the right rituals, obeying all the right laws, making all the right sacrifices, and he couldn't do it. He said something gets in the way, and he called it the power of sin. Woe is me, he would say. But then he would affirm, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Are you listening? My hope is that today, your faith in Jesus, in spite of the turbulence that swirls all around us in our lives and in our world, that your faith will become stronger and more resilient and solid than it has been before. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was rushing down the third floor of St. Francis Hospital. Now, I don't know if you've been on the third floor going toward the surgical intensive care unit, but when you round that corner, there's a hallway that extends on forever. I can't even see the end of it. That's how long it is. 
Well, I knew I was late. Uh, I had told a family that I was going to be there, but I, I had a doctor's appointment, and so I said I'd come as soon as I could, and I figured I would be late to uh, the event that was happening. So I, when I got there and I rounded the corner and I saw this long hallway lined with doctors and nurses and hospital administration and people in scrubs all the way down to the end, I went up to the first one and said, is this the ice cream line? <laughs> I mean, I did. I said that. How stupid of me. And they said, no, this is the honor walk. And then it dawned on me, I wasn't late after all. I said, you know, I think I'm supposed to be in the honor walk. And uh, Joshua and, and his family, and they said yes. And a doctor who heard me say that grabbed me by the arm and he ushered me right into surgical intensive care to meet with the family, a chaplain, and I got to be a part of that procession as we went on an honor walk, and I discovered I was not too late for a miracle that was unfolding before my very eyes. Now, the disciples weren't too late either. They thought they were. They thought everything was lost as they were huddling now in fear following the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, their rabbi, their teacher. They saw his bloodied face and his dying form on a Roman cross. And now they were huddling in fear in an upper room as the Sabbath began that sundown. For the whole of the Sabbath day, they hid there for fear of the authorities who had started one of the biggest witch hunts. If, you, if you've never seen a witch hunt, read about the one that they went looking for the disciples because they were going to do to them what they did to Jesus to stamp out this Jesus way. On top of that, it was just the 11, not 12, for they were painfully aware of the treachery of their brother, Judas Iscariot, who had betrayed Jesus with a kiss just the night before. They were so traumatized by everything that happened that they basically forgot some of the basic facts that Jesus had taught them. First of all, that the name Jesus means God saves. That Jesus only purpose was to come to save people from their sins and from the law of sin and death that reigned in that world. And Jesus told them he was going to be handed over to sinful man and that he would be crucified. And Jesus told them that he would be raised again. Well, they certainly couldn't see anything happening like a resurrection. The, the image of Christ on the cross was so emblazoned in their minds that they couldn't see how a resurrection was possible. I would submit to you that during that Sabbath trauma, the trauma that these disciples had, they were as weak as you and I feel in our moments of trauma and doubt. When our faith is shaken and our future uncertain, but our joy today is to be able to look back with the advantage of all these many centuries of history and witness and to reaffirm once again the brand new that Jesus unleashed upon the world. 
a brand new, ratified by his death on the cross and sealed forever by the power of the empty tomb. Now, not everyone will believe. In an article entitled, Who is the Real Jesus?, which you can find on y-jesus.com, explores the skepticism of an English journalist. His name was Frank Morrison. And he began some research for a book in which he intended to prove that Jesus' resurrection was a myth. However, as he examined the evidence, he found that his premise was faulty. What was it that changed Morrison's mind? Morrison discovered that Jesus' death was verified by Jewish and Roman historians. Morrison then wondered, well, the disciples probably conspired together and, 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 and instigated a plot to make it appear that Jesus had risen. However, as he investigated that theory, he came across three problems. Number one, the tomb was secured by a large stone which one person by themselves could not push it away. Even two persons could not push it away because it started in the trough up high and when it rolled down over the hole of the, the sepulcher, it rolled downhill. And so you not only had to move the massive stone, but you had to move it up a trough uphill. And furthermore, there was a 24-hour trained Roman guard that was placed there, and it would be impossible for the disciples to roll the stone away and to remove Jesus' body without somebody noticing. Second, a resurrection plot would have died out just as soon as they found the body. And in those days, they most likely would have been able to do that, what with the witch hunt that was going on. Three, this is something else he wasn't expecting to find. At the disciples who had been huddling together in that upper room for fear of the Jews, thinking that all was lost, thinking that their future was out of sight. Just a few days later, they were transformed into a courageous band of witnesses who would risk rejection and risk their very lives, which most of them did, to say their Lord who was crucified has risen again. It certainly wouldn't make, fence, make any sense to fabricate a story that someone had stolen the body with this kind of evidence. Well, anyway, Morrison discovered the resurrection really happened, and he changed the title of his book to Who Moved the Stone? He couldn't disprove it. The evidence was to the contrary, and he showed that the resurrection happened, and Jesus Christ was a historical event. The truth that this day reminds us of is that though this event of the crucifixion happened, resurrection happened as well. 
And in so doing, between the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus completely overhauled the system of rules and regulations that were weighing the people down by establishing a new covenant. He took the 613 laws and, and pared them down to just one, and it's love one another as I have loved you. That is the only witness you need to the resurrection in that he lives through you simply and completely. It would be a new covenant that would render the old covenant obsolete. It would be a way for all people and not just the Hebrew people to know God and be drawn to God. It would be a secure path to heaven when this life is over and this Jesus way of life would create better people on better promises with a better future than what they'd experienced before. So that the writer of Hebrews in chapter 8, verse 13 would say, by coming up with a new plan, a new covenant between God and his people, God put the old plan on the shelf and there it stays gathering dust. Or as the New Revised Standard Version puts it, God has rendered the old plan obsolete. That's what transformed a little band of defeated cowards huddling in an upper room, shaking in their boots into a company that no persecution could silence, who would establish a church with a faith built on a solid rock so that the gates of hell itself would not prevail against it and so that you and I could sit here today and recognize the miracle. Now back to the long hallway at St. Francis. It's the longest hallway a hospital could ever build. But there were people lying shoulder to shoulder up and down that hallway. I naively ask, is this the ice cream line? My lame attempt at humor was met with an answer that began to amaze me. No, this is an honor walk. I don't know if you've ever been on an honor walk, but in all my 46 years of ministry, I had never been able to experience an honor walk. One of the doctors took me into the surgical intensive care unit to join with the family. I was not too late. I was not too late to be a part of the unfolding miracle. Listen to this. The young man's name was Joshua. He was just two years old when I first met him and his two brothers and his mother and his father in the church at Great Bend, where I was privileged to be a pastor for seven years. He was such a sweet little boy. I got to watch him grow for a little while. But life became difficult for him as a teenager and then as a young adult. And now, at 21... He couldn't take it anymore. One night, he took his own life. He ended up on life support. And now, in his death, his family approved them keeping him on life support until they could take his usable organs for a donation. <sighs> Joshua. His parents could never have known when he was born and when he was named 
that in his death there would be life. Joshua, a name which means God saves. You see, the honor walk was the walk being taken as he in his hospital bed with family following, I got to follow along too, was wheeled down that hallway lined with the doctors and the nurses and hospital personnel to the operating room where over the period of the next several hours they would harvest organs to be transplanted into someone else. Now, I'm not an emotional person, but it hit me with the force of a miracle of modern proportions. Joshua, God saves. That very night, they said, there would be a young girl in Wichita, Kansas, who needs a heart desperately. In a life-saving operation, she received a new heart. Nobody can tell me that resurrection doesn't happen. A little girl is alive to get today because of Joshua. And he's jumping up and down in heaven, I'm sure, rejoicing that a little girl will be able to jump up and down again. A modern resurrection. And the truth of it is this. If you will acknowledge the empty tomb, you can have a new heart as well. Amen.